In last few years, there has been an advancement in terms of technology in privacy, the tools, the solutions, the technology that supports privacy. We call it the rise of privacy tech. So what is this privacy tech? Why is it important for you? And how is it shaping the privacy world? And we go and talk about it with none other than Deborah Farber, who's a fellow privacy professional and is also hosting a podcast. So let's go and talk to Deborah. Hello, and welcome to the Fit for Privacy podcast with Punit Bhatia. This is the podcast for those who care about their privacy. Here, your host, Punit Bhatia, has conversations with industry leaders about their perspectives, ideas, and opinions relating to privacy, data protection, and related matters. Be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not legal advice. Let us get started. So here we are with Deborah. Welcome, Deborah, to Fit for Privacy podcast. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. And let me start with a icebreaker saying, when you think of the GDPR, what's the one word that comes to your mind? Ooh, I'd say comprehensive. Wow, that's comprehensive. Meaning? Of Meaning it covers, you know, it covers pretty much uh, all, uh, most aspects of, of personal data and how um, it's, it's processed throughout its life cycle. Um, so I think of it as comprehensive because uh, it's, really th- it's really addressing the life cycle of data uh, about, that's personal to us. Now, I, I, obviously there are, you know, there's challenges with uh, GDPR. It's principle based. It, you know, a lot of uh, people wish they had more directions as to what they're supposed to do um, exactly so they can check off a list. But that's not the purpose of GDPR. The purpose of it is to really kind of get us thinking at every stage of, um, you know, manipulation of data within the, an organization about how to protect it, about how to protect the individuals behind the data. And um, I, you know, I, I really view that the GDPR as the regulation that has moved the world forward in thinking about privacy as, uh, you know, as we're increasingly in a more data-driven world. So, you know, there's, it's got its flaws, it's got its drawbacks, it's, it's, you know, got some enforcement challenges, but overall, I mean, even the United States is, you know, we're on the other side of the world, you know, we're push to follow the GDPR uh, because we have not passed our own laws, right? So even in the default of our doing nothing here in the U.S. on a federal level, uh, I don't want to say nothing, but, you know, in terms of legislation and getting it passed, we still are, you know, um, bound by the GDPR and what Europe has put in place. Absolutely. I think it's quite comprehensive and it's a framework in its own. Now, In the privacy world, we are talking about this new term called privacy tech. And that's more and more being talked, especially in the United States. Can you help us understand what exactly do you mean? Because you're also doing a lot of work in privacy tech field. Help us understand what does this privacy tech mean? Yeah, I mean, at its basics, privacy tech is, uh, you know, creating tools and uh, you know, just technology that is going to enable uh, us to continue to use data about people, uh, but in a protective way where we're, we're not adding more risk. And in fact, that, the, that we could de-risk uh, 
you know, the use of personal information in a negative way. So we're trying to protect, so privacy tech uh, has a whole bunch of definitions depending on like what view of the elephant you're, you're looking at. But um, the way I kind of view it is it's bringing to market new technology that enables, uh, you know, us to safely uh, uh, use that, use the technology to another end. So perhaps you wanted to use, um, you know, cl uh, cloud technology, you want to make sure that it's it's got its appropriate privacy preserving capabilities built in. You might want to know how do you delete the information if you put it in the cloud. Like, so privacy tech is kind of coming up with this technology that allows privacy engineers uh, and the entire team of, uh, under, in you know, the privacy and security teams to do their jobs in a way that doesn't really affect their work negatively and get in the way. In fact, enables them to do the privacy preserving aspects of their jobs. So it's really about making uh, the business of privacy easier within an organization uh, by, you know, either building or buying uh, software, uh, for the most part software, but it could be tech, uh, it could be hardware as well. Um, and, you know, enabling uh, engineers uh, for the most part, but also you know, other technologists and data scientists and even your attorneys uh, to better be able to have insight into how the organization is processing data. And that could even be about how the organization is, um, you know, its state of that personal data. And therefore also thinking in terms of um, like uh, the risk to individuals and like what are the privacy problems that could potentially happen so that you can then go and, and um, fix those, you know, de-risk the organization before ever shipping a product or service, right? So, so privacy tech is a growing area where, you know, we're bringing products to market and you're, this is really getting into the world of entrepreneurs who are building new technology for the first time and then wanting to sell it into the market, uh, you know, it could be a particular vertical. It could be to, you know, anyone who processes personal data. I mean, it runs the gamut and there's uh, a growing, growing areas of privacy tech that, um, you know, we've categorized at the rise of privacy tech, uh, which is an organization led by Lourdes Terecha that uh, brings together entrepreneurs who are building privacy tech, the, uh, the buyers of that privacy tech, investors, and then the experts uh, like myself or, or yourself, right, who could really advise companies on how do you implement that or how do you even bring privacy tech to market? Um, what are the what is the right way to do that? So I'm working a lot on bringing privacy tech to market. Um, but what it is itself is still kind of a working definition. Um, for the most part, it's anything that solves privacy problems. Uh, Absolutely. But, yeah. So does it also include the privacy management software or that's a part? Yes. So I would say it, it absolutely does include privacy management software, but I would say that it doesn't only include that, right? Mm -hmm. That is one uh, particular subset and, I, and that is post-production. You've already pushed to um, code to production or there's a product out there and you want to understand the life cycle of that data. Um you know, and you keep tabs on that, then then that privacy management software is essential to the business of an organization. But there's so much beyond just the management of privacy. And, you know, if you're looking at, uh, you know, different sub areas, then you could really, you could really see that there is uh, a flourishing area. Of, there are different 
um, segments of privacy tech. Like it could be, uh, you know, how do you use the blockchain or the hash graph to, uh, to manage personal data and um, not so much like the representation of personal data. So you don't ever want to put personal data on a blockchain, right? But you could represent consents, for instance, as NFTs on a blockchain and be able to track those or track the uh, accountability of an organization for uh, taking an action or not taking an action can be represented on a blockchain. So I'm just giving examples of how new technology is being uh, played around with right now to figure out ways that can provide more trust, more um, accountability and transparency about how organizations are processing this data. Um, there are new ways that uh, organizations are looking at consent. Um, there's, you know, with the advent of new things like uh, XR, you know, extended reality and, and, and you know, this, this goal of, of building towards a metaverse, you know, there's, there, there needs to be uh, privacy engineers who are thinking about how can we do this in a safe way so that the humans are having a, a safe experience when they're immersed, fully immersed. But what are some ways that, that if you're in the metaverse, you can actually take ownership and protect yourself? And so... You know, there's so many uh, areas. I'm just kind of, you know, no. giving one-off uh, examples of why sure. we need ingenuity in in the space, uh, and we're starting to see it quite a bit. Yeah. Now that's privacy tech, but we also talk about a term called privacy engineering. Yeah. How do the two differ? So, privacy tech, as I understand and as you explain, it is about enabling privacy through technology, whether it's privacy management software, encryption yep. software, security software, data deletion software, or anything that has to do with privacy principles and its enablement or privacy obligations that its enablement. But then what is privacy engineering? Is that have anything to do with this privacy tech? tech? It, it does. I mean, they, they overlap in, in ways. So, you, you know, most, I would say that most of the privacy tech founders that I've seen have a, an overlap with engineering in some capacity. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that someone who's bringing privacy tech to market has an overall understanding of, uh, of privacy engineering, which is all of the elements across an organization as to how uh, you need to engineer your business so that you've got uh, you know privacy baked in. You've got, I, I would say that privacy by design, uh, if you want, in order to get it into the business and embed it into the business, you truly need to deploy privacy engineering principles. And so I would define privacy engineering as an emerging field of engineering that aims to provide methodologies, uh, tools, and techniques uh, to ensure systems provide acceptable levels of privacy. Um, and you'll do that through different ways of managing that. And, you know, but it's going to take, that's the viewpoint instead of a legal lens or even uh, bring one product to market lens. Privacy engineering is looking a little more holistically on, uh, you know, how do you go about and make uh, acceptable, you know, a, a system have an acceptable level of privacy. Um, and there are various, you know, risk frameworks for this that are kind of, um, being iterated on everything from the NIST privacy engineering, you know, approach. So in the United States, take a look at how NIST has approached that to uh, independent organizations like MITRE has its own approach. Um, I, what I really like is that like Linden is um, a risk modeling 
uh, capability that really applies well to privacy engineering. I forget what Linden actually stands for, but it's I L I'm sorry, L I N D is it two U's D D U N I believe, but so Linden, I might've had spelled that wrong, but it's, it's no. along those lines. And Linden is, it, it really gives some great uh, ways of approaching, looking for threats and then control selection for privacy uh, in, in the engineering of a system. Um, so while it's more of a threat modeling, it really, you know, a perspective, it really enables organizations to th um, build the system by thinking about what those potential privacy problems would be in building up the system and then, you know, shoring them up as you go along and making sure you have the right control so that your system is privacy uh, enabling. Um, so that's privacy engineering, which is about essentially enabling privacy in different steps, different processes, different elements, different aspects, different departments of your organization, as yes. I understand. Now, why does an organization care about this rise of privacy tech? Because as we see, Every day, a lot of new technological technological advancements are happening. New technology companies are coming coming up, and they say, "We help you implement privacy. We help you delete data. We help you encrypt data." And everything is jumping on the bandwagon of privacy or GDPR. Yeah, everything that existed ten years ago is also being colored green or blue, and with the the twenty seven stars and saying, "Here is it's GDPR compliance. It helps you comply with GDPR." So, but why does it matter? to an organization, this rise of privacy tech? Yeah, so I think, so it matters to an organization because there's no way that you could address everything uh, manually. So if we need to scale systems and make them privacy preserving, for the most part, there needs to be some way that we're able to scale them. And that usually means, you know, we're either doing something with AI or we're doing something that's just, uh, you know, you need to really monitor at scale or, mm -hmm. um, you know, so organizations are realizing that, you know, if it's as something even as, as, as I don't want to say simple, but you want to do something like a DSAR, uh, you know, even at scale, like if Google was doing that manually, that would be pretty much insane, <laughs> right? You would just need to staff up so many humans you'd uh, to, to kind of review them all. And it would be error prone because just, you know, it's, it, we're humans, right? We're, we're, we are prone to errors. We're not computers. Um, and I think that organizations really need to address through technology uh, ways of just doing business in a, in a more scalable way. I mean, if, if, especially as we're uh, more global and we have just, you know, we're, we're aiming for as many users as possible when we're selling a product. Uh, that, that you need technology that's going to enable you to, um, well, like I said, do things at scale. But then you also want to make sure that the uh, you're not scaling a, a privacy disaster, right? <laughs> like, you know, I, I look at something like Clubhouse when it came onto the scene and, you know, at scale, it was collecting all of your connections and, and your, your um, uh, social graph. And, you know, so that, that could be really dangerous if you do things like that at scale. Um, so, making sure you've got the right privacy controls in place, that you have the right purpose for collecting the data in the first place. You've got authority to do that. You you can do it in a safe manner. Like all these things, I mean, it's a really complicated set of engineering requirements that if you embed them into a product and bring that in, that product can uh, help the organization uh, then do it at, you know, do something at scale and not, and can turn your attention elsewhere. 
Um, and then you just look at that in terms of monitoring at scale and making sure that, you know, rights are being respected. And, you know, once you have that technology in place, the challenge we're seeing is that every single organization that has anything that touches on security or privacy is using GDPR and other regulations to drive uh, their product forward, to drive sales of their product, to drive people to their website. And so they're all glomming on to the very same uh, concepts. Oh, comply with GDPR, which is this massive, as I mentioned before, comprehensive legislation. So when you say that, first of all, we all know that there is no such thing as like uh, GDPR compliant, you know, like certification for the most part of a product. But that if that's what an organization feels like is going to be fuel for, and, you know, is basically the interesting thing about them is that they can help with a compliance problem. They're going to want to use that in sales and their messaging. The challenge is that privacy tech companies, very often, they're not from the industry. What I've found is it's usually somebody like, you know, someone in cloud that's like, I could do this in a more privacy preserving manner. I'm going to go start my own company. And, you know, I'll, I'm an engineer and, you know, I'm a founder. I'll just found this, I'll solve for this one problem. Or like um, the executive who went and left Google and, and founded Neva, which is a privacy preserving search engine, uh, you know, from a, a former, I believe, SVP of, of Google, um, you know, that person really understood search very, very well. That's the expertise. Now it's, let's add the privacy piece in, embed it in, bake it in, and, and now create a search engine that's privacy preserving to compete against the status quo, which is, you know, a, like your Googles and your, your Bings and, and other search engines on the market. And so what those people usually have a very clear vision, but don't necessarily know what a chief privacy officer, chief security officer, a, you know, all what all the players in the privacy space, the, 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 the legal even, right? All of these executives want to hear something different from a technologist that's trying to sell to them. And um, the challenge is the messaging is all the same. It's all the same to the exec each of the executives. It's all the same from one company to another. We're GDPR compliant. We're consent driven. We're blah, blah. And it doesn't distinguish a privacy tech company from another privacy tech company very well. So you go to like an RSA security or an IAPP conference or something like, you know, where there's vendors. And sometimes you can't tell the difference was differences between one privacy tech vendor and another, and they're in wildly different areas of focus. And so that's, you know, that's kind of where I help out. That's where that's my sweet spot right now. And I like to to, to help companies be heard and and make that distinction based on what their uh, what problem problems they're trying to actually solve rather than just say, we're going to help you be compliant because because compliance is no longer enough of a driver. So I want companies to understand is compliance is necessary, but it's the bare minimum. And if you really want to make a sense of privacy within your organization, it's about embedding it in by design. But that means that portion of that design needs to be engineered into the product or service. Uh, and that requires people who have a real, um, uh, cross-section of understanding between uh, the macro, what's going on in privacy, the regulations, as they're, they're, what, what are the drivers that's changing this space at a macro level, but also at a really focused um, technical level, understanding the technology, making sure that, uh, you know, the, the you know if you're if you're going to do a web-based app versus an iOS app versus an Android app, like understanding the differences and the nuances that come to that are relevant to the user experience and the design all the way to, uh, you know, the data and how you're 
how you're uh, processing it? Uh, is it is it anonymized? Under, under what circumstances does it need to be anonymized versus pseudonymized versus you know all of those things are that that privacy experts of any stripe really should know at a macro level. They need to really understand at um, a more technical level. Um, so you want your data scientists to be doing, you know, your machine learning, uh, privacy preserving machine, machine learning. Uh, they should really have a strong data science background uh, versus uh, someone who's in cr cryptography and is looking at, you know, I don't know, a new self-sovereign identity uh, uh, technology that's going to help you manage your own data. Um, you know, that person's really going to have to understand how the pieces of that stack go together. And so these, I think that's a good point. These separate technology stacks are going to require expertise in those stacks. And um, we're going to see privacy engineers that have wildly different expertises. So over the next five, 10 years, um, I think we're going to start to see the privacy engineering space uh, form where you have more, uh, more, fewer generalists and more specialists in particular areas of privacy engineering. I think we're going to follow a very similar path, path that security did. We're just about uh, 10, 15 years behind, but we're going to have so much technology, we're not going to know what to do with it. Now, we're going to have so much technology that um, it's going to just over time be more and more refined. It's going to, the organizations are going to um, over time realize they need more budgets for bringing tech into the organization. It's not enough just to have privacy management software um, that manages your business process flows and, you know, that it gets your, you know, uh, your rights, um, gets everybody's rights uh, attended to, you know, through, through uh, DSARs and such or deletion requests. I mean, there's going to be technology that's needed just that's embedded within all of the privacy tech companies because of, I don't know, some some bell or whistle it, it brings in or some more uh, trust that it enables. Uh, but there, there, there's going to be so much more technology. And we're starting to see a lot of it on the pre uh, push to uh, on the left side, basically, of of the product development stack. So before you ever push code to production, we're starting to see a lot more of that, uh, the tools that that help developers bring their uh, their code to market uh, where, you know, it's already gone through some sort of privacy filter or, um, you know, uh, scanning their code, for instance, and looking for uh, potential problems. And we're seeing a lot of that. Uh, what, I, what I'd like to see a lot more is consumer-enabled privacy tech that enables, you know, individuals to take ownership of their data. When I say ownership, I mean that more in like control sense, like to take control of their own data, restrict it, only give permission when they want, uh, when they feel like they have trust or if a company no longer seems to have, uh, you know, doing things the right way, you can, you can punish them by, and, and also save yourself by removing that data. Um, and so I think that requires a lot of interoperability engineering. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. It's just going to take a little time to get there because regulations uh, alone are not going to drive that. I think the market demands uh, from individuals are going to drive that. So a lot of that consumer stuff will be down the road. That's for sure. But now that's a lot of privacy tech that is available in the market. Yes. Of course, organizations have reactions like, okay, we are having too many rights requests. Let's automate that. We are having too many deletion 
needs or we have too much data we need to delete let's put a deletion software in place but in your view and the work you are doing what do you see as the driving force what is the key driver for implementing or buying privacy tech at the moment in the market ooh i would say there's a i would say there's a huge shift left mentality and it's mm-hmm. we could talk about that a little bit if you, if you'd like but so sure, go ahead. um at first privacy was uh the realm of attorneys and yeah. we were looking at it from a legal perspective and we did a lot with uh contracts and you know well regulation and then contracts and then internally policies and then we train on those policies and right so what i see companies doing is going well, okay this is great we now have like the bare bones of compliance in place we've got our you know privacy management suite we've got these processes down we have you know so all of the stuff what i will call on the right side of the privacy tech stack um but we still need to address development life cycle and data life cycle and you can't do that with policy alone you need actual levers to be moved and you know get requirements to be embedded into the uh the not just the processes but the the way of working for an organization it's not right because you you know we can't just add a box of privacy on at the end right like it 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 privacy just like security but privacy maybe even more so is is about how do we as we're as data about humans is flowing through multiple business processes how do we make sure that that data is um used correctly only for the right purposes right all, all of these things need to be baked in by design so what i think companies are focusing on now is they realize that this compliance stuff is really expensive right um what if we reduce the amount of data that you know we 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 no longer think of let's let's get all the data uh and and maybe we have a reason to use it later uh because so let's just keep it now right now we're seeing well if you keep data that has liability to it <laughs> um and you know you, you have a breach or you have some other privacy problem that happens as a result of you having this data that maybe you didn't even need um then companies are actually creating more risk for themselves and it's more expensive so if they're able to you know shift further left into the development cycle go you know here are some privacy enhancing technologies or here are some uh here's like data subject right rights infrastructure that we're creating using new um maybe new methods to uh define what your privacy data looks like like ethica for instance came out with i i forget what it was called but it's an open source uh new way of like naming your data and then calling it up uh th- there's there's new th- that way it enables you to your engineers to build infrastructure that is only going to collect data that's maybe I'll call it clean like clean drinking water right you know you don't want that toxic uh aspect of data that's going to get in your pool of clean drinking water uh and then render it all of a sudden uh, unusable and you have to throw it away right so especially in the world of disgorgement where the FTC in the United States is it, they have the capability and they've expressed that they would like to start using it that if a company ends up do you know creating a major privacy problem um you know like think of it like a uh 
biometric collection that Facebook had uh, had done for many years, right? The FTC would make them uh, not only you know have a pay a fine, but get rid of the model that they trained the data on, right? Like disgorgement, like it's it, so no company really wants to go through that. They've built and they've spent millions and millions of dollars on bringing stuff to the market, and then all of a sudden have to throw it away. Um, and so what they're realizing is the market is demanding. It's I don't think it's just GDPR. I think the market is at a place now where hum- people realize that surveillance capitalism and other, um, you know, uh, other challenges where they feel that they don't have control over their own data anymore or that privacy doesn't exist. These these this thought process from from people uh, is is what is I, I see is driving the market change. Um, and, and it's it's really tipping where people won't stand for uh, super invasive technology anymore. So companies are shifting left to make sure that they are building things right from, um, from the ground up, at least with new products. If you're a huge company, you can't just turn the ship around everywhere. But if you're going to be building something new, they're starting to look at, you know, what are the requirements in the design phase, looking at the build phase, you know, verifying that they have the right, uh, you know, you know, testing the product, um, you know, looking at incident response, you know, all of that before you're even looking at the data lifecycle aspect of collection, use, sharing, storage, retention, deletion, all of that. Um, I think that uh, focusing on that means that you have fewer uh, compliance requirements later on. Um, you know, maybe you're architecting in a self-service. You want to know every data, all the data that we collect about you while we're building that in. So you could then go and at any point in time, you could go look at what data we've collected about you or process about you. Uh, you know, so I'm seeing companies do that. Um, but I think I think that's really what we mean uh, when we say when we talk about shifting left is dealing with the product earlier on, or, or, or it doesn't even have to be a product, be a, you know, dealing with something within your organization early on in the de- design phase, um, architecting for privacy. I mean, this is why I'm like a huge fan of, of distributed ledger technology and other infrastructure that's being innovated on right now is that if you get it right at the lower levels and are then able to build on top of that, in this case with DLT, it would be decentralized applications, um, you know, but if you build that into the governance and the, and the underlying, you know, base level technology, and then, you know, anything that's pulled up from that already kind of inherits the security and privacy of the layer below it. And so, you know, it's this layering in a thoughtful way that can actually save millions and millions of dollars down the road, rather than adding on a box of privacy or just get a tool that does, you know, X, you just don't create the problem in the first place. And that's where I see a lot of companies wanting to go. I say we, we still have a long way before our companies are actually doing that on the whole, but the really innovative ones are. Absolutely. And I think you also have uh, this uh, podcast, Shift Left Privacy. Yes, the Shifting Privacy Left podcast. Yeah, shift, uh, Shifting Privacy Left podcast. So tell us about it in a minute or two. What is it all sure. about? Yeah, so Shifting Privacy Left is really about kind of um, bringing some of this exciting new 
methodologies, whether it's uh, privacy engineering. Um, I had Lori Craner on for, uh, who, who runs the Scilab at Carnegie Mellon and the master's program for privacy engineering at Carnegie Mellon. Um, so she really unpacked privacy engineering uh, on a recent episode. We've talked about, you know, new ways of doing some biometrics or approaches to the metaverse. And, you know, so I'm really uh, the, shifting privacy left is um, sponsored by Provado uh, that does uh, code scanning, uh, you know, technology and making sure you're shipping uh, privacy enabling code. Um, and, you know, we really, their mission is to shift left too. So the whole point of the podcast is to bring on guests and have great conversations around how they're shifting left. So we look at privacy tech, we look at privacy engineering, um, we kind of look at some of the problems uh, that are out there and how do you threat model for them. So it's really to, it's uh, the, the, the difference I would say between your podcast and, um, and some of the others and uh, Shifting Privacy Left would be that our main focus is to uh, really talk about uh, privacy tech to, pri to engineers. So my, the base that I'm building um, and the, the audience I'm building is uh, technologists, engineers, researchers, um, you know, cause, cause they've been telling me that there's just, where do I go to learn more? Right. There's like one or two books out there. There's, uh, uh, the data privacy from, um, Nishant, uh, Bajara. You've got, uh, Michelle Dennity's written, um, the privacy engineers manifesto. I mean, there's some really good books out there besides the books. There aren't that many forum forums for people to uh, come together and really talk technically at the technical level. So while I have plenty of people who listen who are not technologists, um, I constantly remind myself that as I'm, you know, uh, creating the, you know, figuring out who I want on my show or what I want them to talk about, I really want them to get into the technical level um, and unpack that more technological, you know, innovation and how they're bringing innovation to market or how they're dealing with certain challenges in the market, as opposed to, uh, you know, more of the legal and um, uh, challenges that are out there, which are, uh, you know, there's plenty of those as well. So it's, you know, for, for a fun audience that's really starting to get uh, into the weeds and, you know, push this industry forward. Um, and we're seeing people coming from all over the place. They're not just privacy experts. Um, some of them are from security. Some of them are just engineers with a really good idea, but they just don't know how they don't understand yet the privacy market um, and or the market for overall privacy. How do how do buyers make decisions about buying for privacy tech? Right. Things along those lines. That's that's a lot of where I help them, uh, not as part of the the podcast, but as part of uh, Principled LLC, which is my uh, my organization that I, I uh, founded. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I think it's wonderful to have this conversation around privacy tech, the work you do and everything that you're bringing to your clients. Thank you. In essence of time, I would say, is there one one minute message you would have for anybody listening on privacy tech to those people, especially those who are in business? Yeah. So those who are in business, I would say plug into the rise of privacy tech. Make sure that you're aware of what is going on for that organization. So it's, uh, let me look at this. It's uh, riseofprivacytech.com. We recently published a white paper. And in that white paper, we define the uh, privacy tech space. And we even come up with the rise of privacy tech, we call it troped, the troped privacy tech stack landscape. 
And in that, you get a visual picture uh, of like the B2B landscape, the B2C landscape, and even the B2B2C landscape uh, currently uh, as it's shaping up um, for privacy tech. And so I think right now, I think it's the most comprehensive uh, document that on privacy tech out there. Uh, and we really only talk about companies that the that Troped has assessed and ha actually had a real live privacy tech buyer user. Uh, you know, we hired them to go and and evaluate the the tech, make sure it's not just marketing bells and whistles, and that it's actually doing certain uh, things that it claims to do. So these are vetted. Uh, it's not just a list of companies. And we have that in, um, you know, a visual uh, way that you can kind of consume this information to understand what's B2B, what's on the left side or the right side of the tech stack, um, pre-production, post-production kind of thing. And I think that's, um, it's, it, you know, we put a lot of effort into that. And um, I think it'd be super helpful for businesses. Uh, it's the whole reason we wrote it was because we saw that the, uh, investors in privacy tech didn't really understand the space, you know, like their, their thesis was very wrong. Like, Oh, it's either, um, you know, uh, big ID and, uh, I don't know, you know, maybe another company, uh, the two of those companies alone, pretty much, you know, that's privacy tech. We don't need any more. And it's like, that's a really myopic kind of view of privacy. And so our goal was to educate investors, educate buyers, educate uh, even the founders themselves. And so this will help the founders with their marketing and how they pitch themselves. So hopefully they don't go and all sound the same again, right? And then, um, uh, you know, I think it helps to define what is uh, privacy tech adjacent versus, you know, maybe like AI, for instance, uh, versus uh, privacy tech proper. Uh, and I think, you know, it's, it really is helpful for defining the market, defining the market. Okay. Yeah. So in essence of time, I would say thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, sharing your inputs on Privacy Tech. My pleasure. And all the best with you and your podcast and the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it was a pleasure to be here today. And, um, you know, uh, just uh, glad to have the opportunity to talk with your audience and uh, educate them on my little slice of the world. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, feel free to share it with a friend and write a review. If you have already done so, thank you so much. And if you did not like the show, don't bother and forget about it. Take care and stay safe. Fit for Privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www.fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit4privacy.com. If you have questions or suggestions, drop an email at Hello at fitforprivacy.com. Until next time, goodbye.